Production. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving our nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 16 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And if you are new to this program and maybe today it's just your first time listening in, I just want to share with you the heart and the idea behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. I want to offer people hope and encouragement by providing you with stories each week from people that are servant leaders in all different walks of life. Because I want to demonstrate to you that when you are a servant leader and you put other people first and you're honoring God, blessings just follow as a natural byproduct of that. Because serving is for everyone. In the past few weeks, you've heard from people in all walks of life. In the military, just last week for Memorial Day, Lieutenant General, three-star general, David Bassett, a few weeks before that, nonprofit runners Mel Padine and Noel St. Clair. Uh, recently, we had Reverend George Probasco, and I want to give a shout out to George. He was just uh, promoted to the director of Kingsway Leadership School. Earlier in the program, we had Mr. Bob Frollo. I want to give a shout out to him. He's a local in the area. And finally, in the area of family, we had Mr. Dean Wagner. Also, want to give a shout out to Dean. He was recently featured on national news for his company. So the point with all these people across all these different walks of life, military, business, faith, community, and family, is that when you see a need, you can fill a need, regardless of what your job might be or what your giftings might be, because all of us have different gifts. And you can almost look at it as a toolbox. There's all different kinds of tools in a toolbox. There's a hammer, there's nails, but they all have different purposes and they can all do different things and make contributions to building things that are good and serving other people. Now for today's episode, I'm going to share just a little bit about me that's relevant to our guest. Uh, through my work at the American Bible Society, I've had an opportunity to work with many chaplains and many VSOs, that's a veteran service organization, as well as military ministries. And so my guests today really are involved in those areas. I have Chaplain Justin Cohen, and he is an urban missionary to veterans in the city of Philadelphia, and he's also a chaplain to multiple VSOs, veteran service organizations, in the Philadelphia area. In the second half, I have Mrs. Diane Runley. She is the co-founder of Support Military Families, and she is the spouse of Dr. Stephen Runley. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Chaplain Justin Cohen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. West was South Jersey's News Talk, 1400 WOND. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. Back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk, 1400 WOND. 
I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Chaplain Justin Cohen. Justin, are you on the line? Yes, sir. First of all, Chaplain, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to be on the program today. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Well, listen, when you and I had lunch together a few weeks ago and then reading through your background and about you online, you have so many different things that you've done, but I think really a good starting point would be your call to ministry. Like, Can you share with us how and when and why you felt called to ministry and how that journey started for you? Sure. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> um, when I was 11 years old, I, I sensed a, a call to the ministry. I actually had uh, what us... Uh, charismatic Pentecostal full gospel type of Christians would say a vision if you will uh, for lack of a better phrase and uh, I saw myself teaching and preaching to people um, I ran from that throughout my teenage years uh, got into drugs and alcohol uh, left Philadelphia via the Navy incidentally enough uh, needed to get out of Philly just was uh, you know, it was a mess at that point in time, uh, and the military helped give me some direction in my life, and I was still drinking, still partying a whole lot, and I ran into a Baptist deacon, God bless him, named Jim Urban, uh, on the USS Stark, and uh, he built a relationship with me, and he is the man who led me to the Lord. I got saved on a United States uh, warship, and... Uh, from that point in time, everything just kind of fell into place, and that uh, purpose that God had given me for my life uh, became refreshed and renewed. Wow. So you got saved on a worship. Not many people can say that, I would think. Yeah, I, I said the sinner's prayer in the bosom locker of a Oliver Hazard Perry class guided missile frigate. Wow. Well, you said that you served in the Navy and you were saved on a worship. How did your experience in the Navy influence your future in ministry? Well, you know, that's interesting because the, the Navy uh, at the, at, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, uh, took upon this management philosophy that was being taught in the business schools called total quality management. Uh, the Navy called it TQL, total quality leadership. Okay. And it was emphasizing the philosophy that the lowest man on the totem pole who was who has the hands-on experience is actually more of a technical expert than the individual who may be at the top of the pyramid. Uh, so it was an all-hands approach. Uh, everyone has a part to play. Everyone is a vital cog in the machine. Uh, so I was nurtured and raised up into non-commissioned officer status with that management philosophy being uh, uh, propagated throughout the military at that particular point in time. Uh, fortunately, I had good men that I served with who saw potential in me, who nurtured me and developed me. I made rank every time up. I was an E-5 under four years. Uh, I was enlisted surface warfare specialist that qualified as an E-3 even before it was mandatory because there were, there were good leaders around me. Mm -hmm. So I learned good leadership by learning how to be a good follower. I like that. So, okay, that's how the military influenced you, but how did you go from the military to then being a minister and being a chaplain? What, what was that like for you? Well, it, there, was a, there was a point in time where I needed to make a decision. Uh, I had uh, 
extended, not re-enlisted technically, mm-hmm. for two more years yeah. because I had gotten injured uh, during the Persian Gulf uh, conflict, 1990-1991, and it was either I'm making this thing a career or I feel as though that God has a, a plan and a purpose for my life beyond the military, and yeah, I was at a fork in the road, and I prayed, sought counsel, and the decision was, you know what, it's time to move on, and uh, I left the Navy and used my GI Bill money, went to Bible college, and pursued my call to ministry. Wow. Okay, so then after Bible college, did you immediately become a chaplain? No, no, I actually worked uh, in a denomination referred to as uh, called the Assemblies of God. Okay. Uh, I came here to Philadelphia. I worked in uh, what's called urban missions, home missions. Uh, I was a head counselor at Teen Challenge, which is a Christian drug and alcohol rehab uh, here in Philadelphia. And I worked in urban mission settings, uh, particularly in this initiative that the Assemblies of God had called Urban Bible Training Centers. So I actually began my ministry teaching uh, basic Bible and theology to lay people who were actively involved in ministry in the local church context. Okay. So a couple of minutes ago, you talked about, uh, and I think you said there was a Baptist deacon that had influenced yes. you and helped you become saved. Were there other people that helped to influence or mentor you as you've gone through this path of ministry? Oh, absolutely. I would say, you know, the, the church that I connected with there in Jacksonville was Trinity Baptist Church. I was uh, discipled and water baptized there. Uh, then I was connected with uh, New Life Christian Fellowship of Jacksonville, Florida, under Bishop Paul Zink, and uh, mentored academically while I was in Bible college by Dr. Harold Vick at Jacksonville Theological Seminary. So quite a number of people have poured into you over the years then. Absolutely. So... With that experience and with that in your rucksack, if you will, how have you been able to take that and mentor other peoples in your ministry and being a chaplain and all the other things that you do? Well, that's that's really my purpose in life. I discovered, coincidentally, that my purpose in life is helping other people discover their purpose. Damn. So I'm, I'm very uh, keen on spiritual gifts, uh, teaching from Ephesians chapter Four, mm-hmm. First Corinthians chapter twelve, Romans chapter twelve. You know the motivational gifts, the manifestation gifts, and the ministry gifts, mm-hmm. and also uh, some psychometrics such as the DISC or the Myers Briggs type indicator, and helping people learn uh, how they're wired. As a matter of fact, I wrote a book in two thousand and twelve called Unwrapped: Discovering God's Gifts to the Body of Christ, which was actually my master's thesis in ecclesiology, uh, packaged for. Uh, normal, normal folks' consumption, <laughs> rather rather than in uh, <laughs> uh, Turabian format and academic format. You know, uh, I, so that's that's developing other people uh, and helping them discover their purpose in life is really, uh, in, in my opinion, the key to successful discipleship. I, I love how you're framing that, and I did read up on your book before our program today. <laughs> And I, I really like how you were talking about the MBTI and the DISC and all those other things because, it, in my mind, because I'm also certified in MBTI, it really okay. gets after this idea that I continually talk about week after week, 
that we all have different giftings and we're all built differently, but God has given each one of us unique abilities. And so if you were to look at a toolbox per se, I might be a hammer and you might be a nail. And so we need each other to cooperate and to build the kingdom of God. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the, the danger is, uh, you know, the, the, the old uh, cliche, uh, to the man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. We have to realize that our gift is interdependent with other gifts. Our gift is not the only gift. It's not the most important gift. We're all interdependent. That's why Paul goes through the knockdown drag out of uh, illustrating the, the body of Christ and using that illustration and using that analogy. And it, the, the pieces and the parts that we, in our carnal mind, if you will, would assume are of a lower stature are actually those parts of the body which deserve more honor. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really appreciate when you bring up the body of Christ, that analogy. I mean, if you were to chop off your pinky finger or your thumb, it's only one finger, but think about how much of a disadvantage you would be and how much of a focus you would have on, oh my gosh, I lost my pinky or my thumb. Even if it's only one finger, we need all the parts of our body and we need everybody to bring their giftings, their unique skill sets to the table. Absolutely. About uh, six weeks ago, I dropped something on my little pinky toe. And next thing you know, here I am at the VA hospital. I fractured my pinky toe. And it was amazing how poorly I walked. Yeah. And now that's all you can think of it, right? Is your little pinky yeah. toe. That's it. Wow. So, okay. Zooming out just a little bit, what does being a chaplain mean to you? I mean, I heard you say that your mission, your purpose is to help other people discover their purpose. But, you know, when you talked about hearing the call to ministry when you were 11 years old, and now it's obviously much later in life, what, what does that mean to you of being a chaplain and serving other people in that way? Well, uh, discovering purpose cannot be taken out of the context of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. So unless a person has that relationship with God uh, and they've been convicted by the Holy Spirit, repented of their sins, and received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, uh, there's only a certain amount of latitude uh, that they will function in. Uh, you really get, I say, turbocharged, if you will, once you're plugged into that saving relationship with God. So once salvation takes place, then you are really, truly open and have the opportunity to discover who you really are. So being a chaplain means, for me, being an evangelist, not only providing pastoral care to those who may be suffering, but also sharing the hope, the love, the grace, the joy of being in a relationship with the one who created you. Dr. Miles Monroe gave, gave an example. If I wanted to figure out how the toaster works, I don't ask the toaster. I ask the person who created the toaster, and I go to the instruction manual because the purpose of the creation is in the mind of the creator, and the creator wrote a book to teach individuals who are outside of that creation the purpose of the creation. Yes. So, for me... I need to ask God what somebody else's purpose is, and there's a manual to discover that purpose, and it's the 66 books, 
of the canon of the Bible. Amen. The purpose of the creation is in the mind of the creator. And until you are connected with the creator and read his instruction manual, abuse is inevitable where purpose is misunderstood. Amen. I cannot agree with you more. Well, I also want to ask you about your work with VSOs, the Veterans Service Organizations. As I'm reading up on you, I mean, you've done a lot, a lot of work, but you've focused your energies particularly on Philadelphia and veterans and the homeless and the disabled. So my question is, why that particular focus on that demographic? Well, first of all, with veterans, if, well, because I am one. Uh, Fair. <laughs> and, uh, so there's an instant relatability if you will. Mm-hmm. The, uh, for example, we, you and I were sitting in the, in the diner several weeks ago, and a gentleman walked by. Veterans identify themselves. Instantly. They have a bumper sticker. They have a, a, a shirt, a hat, something. Yep. So that barrier is automatically broken down. So it's, it's a background that I have that I share with individuals. There's an instant relatability, an instant comradeship, if you will. So you can begin talking about issues of faith automatically because you have that you have the first couple uh, walls already broken down uh, now geographically uh, I felt called to come back to Philadelphia back in 1995 uh, I would have loved to stay in Jacksonville uh, living a block and a half from the ocean serving on a 5,000 on the staff of a 5,000 member church driving the 1991 Camaro Rally Sport. I would have loved it. Yeah. But God had another purpose. Uh, so here I am. And this is a geographical area that God has given me. Uh, you know, the message is to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and the, the, ends of the earth. uttermost parts of the earth. So this, yeah. is, my, this is my Jerusalem. Now, uh, particularly those who are disabled and those who are homeless, uh, uh, I just feel a, a compassion, a passion and compassion for those who may have experienced circumstances and situations that may have been beyond their control. Sometimes it was their own bad decisions. Sometimes it was beyond their control. And as veterans, one of the things that we always come to realize is that we're survivors and we know how to uh, deal with things as they come in our in our circumstances and yeah. situations. And disabled doesn't mean unable. Too many times society writes off those who are disabled, particularly those individuals who may be suffering from post traumatic stress disorder and whose uh, whose wounds are on the inside. It's easy to identify someone who has lost a limb, unfortunately or who has battle scars, if you will. It's difficult to identify the individual who has wounds on the inside. But the good news is, is Jesus Christ died for that person as well. He not only died for the physical healing, but he was bruised. He bled on the inside for those things that hurt us on our inside. Amen. Well, we have about a minute left, so I have one last question I want to ask you, Chaplain. So there might be people listening today that say, listen, I'm not a chaplain. I don't know what it is that I can do to make a contribution to the fight. There might be people listening and say, you know what? That idea of compassion really resonates with me, but I'm not sure where I would go to help. And there might be some people that feel a call to ministry 
and they're not even sure what next steps they should take. Like, what advice would you give to people that are listening here today that are really moved by a part of your story? Well, if there's one thing I'm never short on, it's advice. So I'm <laughs> glad you asked. <laughs> Number one, be a praying person. Always, always commit everything to prayer. Number two, read your word. Engage yes. in the basic disciplines uh, in life because any preparation for doing anything for God comes with personal preparation. Yes. So you have to be a person of prayer and you have to be a person of discipleship. Yes. Number three, I hope and pray that you're plugged into a local church because fellowship and and being around other Christians is extremely important. Iron sharpens iron. You have to be around people who are going to challenge you and just not pat you on the back and tell you you're wonderful and everything is okay. Because the reality is is everything's not okay. There's something in your life that needs to be worked on, and all you got to do, you know what, get married. That's that's an easy solution. (laughs) Someone will tell you immediately what's wrong with you as soon as you get married. Uh, Then go to your pastor. And ask to be disciple. Ask to be uh, uh, put in a class or a Sunday school class or something of that nature to develop you in your gifts. Then what you can do on the quote-unquote secular side is reach out to a veteran service organization such as the VFW, American Legion, and Vets, Fleet Reserve Association, something like that, and ask them what you can do and ask them how you can serve. Chaplain, it has been an honor having you on and I truly appreciate those recommendations and you joining the program today. It has been a real privilege talking to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. God bless you. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mrs. Diane Remley. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Forget all. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mrs. Diane Remley. Diane, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Dr. Paul. How are you? I am very well. Thank you so very much for taking the time to be on the program today. Oh, it's my pleasure. But Diane, you know, speaking with you numerous times and looking at your bio and all the different things that you've done, I think maybe the best place to start is your role as a pastor's wife. Because if I am understanding your situation correctly, that's where a lot of your journey started for you. Is that a fair statement? That's a very fair statement, yes. So with you and your husband both being in ministry and your your husband being a pastor and you being a pastor's wife, how are you able to balance the demands of pastoral ministry and family and everything else that you had going on at that time in your life? Um, well, you know, there's what we like to call, Dr. Paul, our best yes. And our best yes means sometimes saying no mm. to something so we can say yes to the best thing. Yes. And I believe anybody that's in ministry um we, you know, we're always going to have opportunities to serve, uh, but we we have to remember, and it's very easy for me um, to remember the the way that God has set the balance up uh, in His Word, which is, you know, my time with with God first, then my time with, you know, my husband and my family, mm-hmm. and then ministry. Yeah. And so, by keeping those uh, in order. It allows uh, it allowed us many times to 
make the right decision um, for, you know, for being able to serve what Christ would want us to do, but never forgetting that our family uh, is, is as much a part of our uh, ministry opportunity as, as the members of our church were. Amen. Well, with that prioritization in mind, Diane, how did you go about serving your husband as the pastor and then others within the church as the pastor's wife? How did you manage all that prioritization? How were you able to serve others in that capacity? Well, um, when Steve asked me to marry him, uh, I had never been a pastor's wife. I didn't really know what that would be. And yeah. in my in my time with the Lord, I was very prayerful about, you know, Lord, what how how do you want me to be as a pastor's wife? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? And God spoke to my heart very clearly, Dr. Paul, you know, and he just, he whispered to my heart, just be Steve's wife. Mm. And so, as opposed to trying to fill a role of a pastor's wife, I've always just been Steve's wife. And that has truly been the way I've lived my life as, uh, as a wife. And then, as a pastor's wife, I think that I never tried to make my role be anything other than um, a church member trying to serve the body of Christ mm-hmm. and then trying to reach the lost and unchurched yeah. in, in a way that uh, any other woman or lady in our church, married or single, would try to be. So I don't think I... I took the role of pastor's wife as anything more than just being a, a Christian who who loves the Lord and wants to share Christ with people that we that are either getting discipled or may not know the Lord at all. Diane, there's certainly a lot of humility in what you just said, but I have to imagine that in just the idea of being that pastor's wife and serving alongside of your husband and just being Steve's wife, as you said, there had to have been maybe one or two things that really stood out as just really incredible experiences that you got to have as that pastor's wife. Yeah, there were there were many. Um, I think the hardest part about being Steve's wife was, um, you know, the enemy is always, you know, there is there is actual warfare and spiritual attacks that are going to happen, and I yeah. think. We were very, very blessed that we had uh, a prayer team that covered us constantly in prayer. But I think the hardest, the hardest thing was to actually see the the warfare at times, and to feel uh, like we really are in battle, um, and to um, to just stay armored up, um, to to fight the good fight, to uh, keep encouraging. You know, my husband, of course, is he's the greatest man I know. I love him <laughs> so much. But, you know, to just stay, to, to help him to know that um, everything he was doing, he was really prayerful of. And, you know, and still there were hard times with warfare where people's opinions weren't necessarily the direction that we felt the Lord wanted us to go. Um, and so... Being comfortable with saying no, um, and sometimes knowing that that wasn't always going to be well received, I think that would have probably been the hardest part. 
That's very fair. Yeah, I, I love that idea of a best yes. And if it's okay, I'm going to seal that, Dan. I, I like that. I'm going to carry that forward. Sure, absolutely. Well, so if I understand it correctly, uh, reading on your bio and such, after you had the experience of being a pastor's wife and coming alongside your husband with all the churches that he pastored, your next step in your journey was starting this nonprofit called Support Military Families. Is that right? And if so, can you tell us what the mission of Support Military Families is? Well, that's, that's partially correct, Dr. Paul, but um, Steve and I were both widow and widowers. Okay. We, I married Steve in my 40s. His first wife passed away in her sleep of an aneurysm, mm. and he was in ministry with Lynn, his first wife, um, my husband passed away of cancer, wow. and so that's why when you asked me about being a pastor's wife, mm-hmm. you know, I was in my 40s and had never been a pastor's wife, so that's why God let me know I could just be Steve's wife. Sure. Um, but in 2009, God really laid the, the support military families ministry in my heart that he loved the military spouses, that he wanted them to know he heard their prayers, that he cared about them. And the way he wanted us to show the spouses his love was through the simple, simple act of a care package that included a Bible. And um, that that love that that God has for the military families, God gave me just a very maybe three or four second glimpse of that love and and here we are you know 11 years later and the mission is still as strong as it was because his love is never ending and our goal when when God gave us the vision of getting every care every military spouse in the nation a care package that's over 700,000 care packages wow and um, that to date so far, Dr. Paul, we've been able to serve 75,000 military spouses and children with the care packages. So about 10%. Um, pardon? About 10%. About 10%, right. And wow. so when I, when I was, uh, when the Lord gave me the vision, I was originally overwhelmed with the, the 700,000 number. Yeah. But what God let me realize, it was just, uh, I'm sure you've probably heard the story of the, the, the grandfather walking on the beach with his grandson, and his grandson was throwing the little starfish back in his water. And as far as, his, as, far as the grandpa could see, there were starfish down the beach. And he looked at his grandson and he said, son, you know, we're never going to get them all back in the water. And his grandson just sweetly looked up to his grandfather and said, yeah, but Grandpa, it matters to that one. Wow. And God reminded me of that. So every care package that we we are able to, with all of our volunteers and wonderful partners that help us, it matters to that one family, to that one spouse. But ideally, and I don't know if this will happen in my lifetime, Dr. Paul, our mission is that every military spouse in every military base and location around the world once a year gets the care package that lets them know that God loves them, he hears their prayers, and he cares with the Bible in there for them to have that to turn to for all the answers that they are looking for. 
Diane, I, I, I love the fact that you put a Bible in those care packages. And having been married for over 23 years now, my wife was with me my entire military career. I know for sure that she would appreciate having received a package from an organization much like yours. I, I can only imagine what it was like for those 75,000 spouses to receive that kind of package. I mean, has anybody ever, you know, given you any kind of feedback? Like, what was your most memorable moment with all the people that you have served through the last 11, 12 years? Um, well, I think I have two memorable moments. One, I, I would say, is the overall appreciation that the spouses tell us that they're just so grateful for the thought and how much it means to them. Yeah. And that never changes. They're so selfless, Dr. Paul. Yeah. They're used to people giving gifts to their husband who they think and they, in their mind, probably call the hero. We think they're the real hero. They're, they're the hero behind the hero. And just like your wife was there for you and with you, um, we just are overwhelmingly thanked just for the fact that we recognize the sacrifice that the, that the spouses are making. But there is one particular highlight so far in ministry, and it's a new highlight. We, um, we, of course, we pray for all the spouses, and we let them know that God hears their prayers, and we have people who will pray with the spouses at the, at the distribution events if they want. And in Fayetteville at Fort Bragg, one of the spouses asked for prayer with the prayer team, and she came up to me, uh, it'll be two years this Christmas, so a year and a half ago, and she said, I want you to know the answer to the prayer. And, of course, we meet so many spouses uh, that I, I wasn't clear what she was talking about. Yeah. And so she told me that she had lost a baby and she had, had been trying for many years to get pregnant. She suffered with infertility. And she had just miscarried, and she was there at Christmas, and there were many children, probably there were a 1,000 people there, and probably 500 of them were children. And she was angry at God, and she didn't want to be mad at God, but she was. And so she asked for prayer with the prayer team for peace, and she asked to pray uh, for her to, to get pregnant again. And one year later, she was standing there with a newborn baby. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Her miracle, her miracle baby. And she gave the glory and the, and the praise to the, to the prayer team at our delivery event that helped her to work through her sorrow and loss and, and then the joy that God gave her. She found out several weeks after that that she was pregnant and, her, her, and has, has her son and I just think that she calls him her miracle and she says it's a support military family's miracle as well so I, I think that's a tremendous highlight to the glory of God Amen Well Diane we've got uh, only a few seconds left but I know that uh, another big part of your journey has been caring for your husband and so for people that might be listening today that have loved ones at home that they have to care for. Is there a scripture verse that you really carry with you as you've been serving by your husband's side and now with the illness that he has? Is there something that you could share with our listeners that they might be able to just carry with them in their struggles? Yes. 
Absolutely. It's John fifteen thirteen, And this is the scripture verse for any caregiver. Um, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And, and Dr. Paul, that scripture verse, you know, Jesus laid down his life for us. And sometimes as a caregiver, and if you're the caregiver out there that is listening right now, God loves you very much, and he will help you through. And I understand your sacrifice. And sometimes God calls us to lay down the life we knew and pick up the life that he has for us to care for the to care for someone that we love very much. Amen. And and Dr. Paul, that verse is my is my life verse as a caregiver. And say the verse one more time for people that might have missed it. Okay, that's John fifteen verse thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Amen. Diane, thank you so very much for being on the program today. It has been an honor speaking with you. Oh, Dr. Paul, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. When we come back from the break, we'll reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just briefly talk about what we've heard from our guests. Such incredible words of wisdom they had for us today. So when you think about how you can serve other people in the workplace, I heard Diane say she was told by the Lord, just be yourself. So you might find yourself in the workplace and you might see somebody struggling with the situation, but you can just be yourself. You can be that listening ear. You can help somebody that might be in need just by being yourself and doing what comes naturally to you to help another human being. When you think about how you can serve in your community, I love what Diane said. You give your best yes. There are so many different things that are vying for our attention every day of the week. And quite literally, twice on Sunday, people make different asks of us. And we have to figure out what the best yes is. What is the highest and best use of our time? And in my mind, the answer to that question is, what are the things that are going to build the kingdom of God? What are the things that are going to edify the church? What are the things that are going to give glory to God for the gifts that he has given us? And when you get that right and you give your best yes, that's when the blessings just flow. And then you heard Chaplain Justin Cohen talk about how you can serve other people through faith. And he gave us several, several steps. So just to quickly recap, he talked about you can pray, you can read your Bible, you can start going to church, you can join a VSO, a veteran service organization like the VFW, the American Legion. There's hundreds of VSOs that you can join. And you can discover your gifts. 
talked earlier in the program and a little bit with Chaplain Justin about how everybody has different gifts. We all have different tools that are in the toolbox. And just like you wouldn't want your pinky toe or your pinky finger to be cut off, we need every single part of the body of Christ. We need the giftings of every single person. No matter how small or insignificant you think your gift or contribution might be, the kingdom of God needs who you are and what you bring to the table. And I love what Chaplain Justin said about you can serve people by being compassionate. His heart for the disabled, for the homeless, is out of compassion. And he talked about how Jesus Christ came out of compassion. And he didn't come for the wealthy, the affluent, the people that thought they were all that in a bag of chips. He came for the sinner. He came for the sick, for the lowly, for the poor, for the oppressed. And he had compassion for them. And then when you talk about how you can serve in your family, I love how Diane closed her remarks. John 15, verse 13. And that says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And I got to tell you, uh, I had an opportunity five years ago to quite literally have an opportunity to lay down my life for my uncle. I didn't know if I was going to come out of the surgery or not when I donated a kidney, but it's now five years later. He's alive kicking he's able to go out and do things with his wife and that has brought such joy to my life to be able to have saved a human life that to know that my uncle a person that has been a father to me for so many years is still around and i just want to remind you when you put good into the universe when you serve other people good comes back to you so a few weeks ago there was a person that my wife and i know and this person was really really down on their luck and they were having a very hard time financially and so my wife came to me and she said listen can we help this person and I prayed about it and very quickly God gave me a number and I said to my wife all right we can do this she's like that's a big number are you are you sure is that okay and I said yeah that's what God told me and she said okay so we uh, sent that person the money over Venmo and I let me tell you uh, just this past week my wife and I were having a little bit of a crunch with bills and that person sent the money back to us. We told that person it was a gift. They never needed to pay us back, but they sent it back to us at the exact right time. So don't be afraid to give because blessings will come back to you. Listen, next week you need to join two very, very powerful guests. And we're going to be talking about Father Emil Capon, or some people pronounce it Capon. He's a candidate for canonization, and so I'm going to have two guests on at the same time, and we're going to spend the entire show talking about Father Emil Capane. So the first guest is going to be Ray Capon, and that's his nephew. And then we're also going to have Scott, and he is an apostolate for that cause. So I want to remind you, sign up for my Spotify and Apple Podcast mailing list through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. Check out the show tab for previous episodes of this program. And please, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, what you're doing, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Your